You're listening to the Dave Rothenberg Show podcast on ESPNNewYork.com. The Dave Rothenberg Show on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, off and running on a Saturday morning, November 6th, crisp, chilly Saturday morning. The truest signs of fall, right? The temperatures dip. We set the clocks back. We are still doing that. As a people, we are still doing that in 2020. Does that seem like strange to anyone else? And the other sign of fall is that the two NFL teams are already over and out, already looking ahead to 2022. Hey, it's Gordon Damer in for Rothenberg this Saturday morning, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. So much, too much to uh, cover over these next three hours. Of course, the number you know, one 800 919 ESPN. You can find me on Twitter, on Instagram at Gordon Damer. But most importantly, you can find me right here until noon when Anita Marks comes your way here on 98.7 FM. Uh, already week nine in the NFL, which, you know, usually with the new added game this year, week nine is the halfway point. And you might think to yourself, man, it's already week nine in the NFL. The season's already half over. I don't know that necessarily that is bringing you this sense of, um, you know, sadness that it might in other NFL seasons. It almost feels like a threat. Wait, we're only halfway through the Jets and Giants season? So we'll get into both of them, uh, of course, over the course of this show. We'll, it's, it's the Rothenberg show, so I am going to have to. I'm forced at 1030 to uh, try to fill the shoes of Dave and Stump Rothenberg. I think that uh, when I filled in during the summer when Dave was, I mean, gallivanting everywhere, off every single week, I think somebody came up with the name Dupe Damer. Um, Just to update you, in case you don't remember, in the past, filling in on Stump Rothenberg, I have been amazing. At one point, I was like 87% hit rate. I mean, that's incredible. That's amazing. Some have said... Gordon, you're as good as Davis. Maybe better, but we'll have to see. You know, it's been a while. I'm not real good at that, so we'll see how that goes at 1030. But we'll have to, uh, you know, look, we've got so much to get into. We'll break down the Jets' performance from Thursday, and I think breakdown is the key word there. Uh, We'll look ahead to the Giants and Raiders on Sunday, whether we want to or not. And maybe you're one of the people that says, you know, Gordon, you're saying we have to look forward to the Giants and Raiders. We've got to look forward to the second half of the season. What is there to look forward to? The Jets stink. The Giants stink. What is there to look forward to? Well, interestingly enough, we will run our mock draft simulation 2.0 in the course of a show with our good buddy Connor Rogers. We'll give you a look ahead to the NFL draft. And at this point, with the Jets on Thursday, I'm sure with the Giants on Sunday, That's what's to look forward to for the Jets and Giants. Jets have two picks in the first round. Giants got two picks in the first round. And the NFL draft, people, is a mere 173 days away. But, of course, who's counting? So we'll get into the football. We'll get into the Aaron Rodgers. We'll get into the Odell. We'll get into some baseball stuff. But let's start with the Knicks. Let's start with the positive because that's what I'm about. I'm about shining the light on all that is good. And plus, we have plenty of time for the other stuff. We'll get (laughs) And we got more than enough negative stuff to get into. But let's start with the Knicks because, wow. In a word, 
Wow, what a performance last night by the Knicks. Coming off two bad performances in a row, outworked by Toronto, simply outplayed by Indiana. On a Friday night in Milwaukee to take on the defending champ Bucks. I know the Bucks were missing some guys. Okay, fine. But you're on the road, coming off a couple of disappointing performances, and the Knicks come out in the first quarter and give up 38 points. At one point, they trailed by 21 points. And the Knicks fans, who are, I mean, they ride the roller coaster all the time. It's good. It's never good or bad. It's almost like my wife. My wife is never good or bad. It's like she's never hungry. She's starving. My wife is never tired. She's exhausted. You know what I mean? It's like always to the extreme. And that's the way Nick fans are. Like when they're winning, this is the greatest team. We are good. A four seed? You think the Knicks are going to be a four seed? They're a top three team in this conference. They might be the number two or number one team in this. And then they lose two in a row. Oh, my God. What is going This team stink. I don't know how they're going to measure up. So they come out last night, give up 38 points in the first quarter. Now, we didn't have a show last night. But I'm sure if we could do a show, if we could tap into all the Knicks fans' houses and homes during these games, after that first quarter, the panic level would have been off the charts. But then what happens from that point out? The Knicks play significantly better. They outscore Milwaukee. They held Milwaukee to 15 points in the fourth quarter. And it was not just that the Bucs were missing shots. It was the Knicks' defense being into them. Their energy level was great. Uh, The individual performances, we'll get into all those storylines coming up. But I think the main takeaway is, if I could give one small piece of advice that almost certainly will be ignored by Knicks fans, you guys got to relax. You got to chill out. You can't be living and dying with every single possession, every single game. I get it. The back-to-back losses were bad. To be 5-3 and three after a 5-1 and one start is not the end of the world. You guys got... This is a good team. This team is not going to completely fall apart like teams have done in the past. Now, I don't know what the ceiling is. I don't know what the floor is, but I can tell you that it's not to the extremes that you guys are portraying it. So let's just kind of enjoy the ride. Is that possible? Can you just not have to have like giant swings in emotion based on what the performance was in the last game that they played? I mean, keep in mind, for all the talk about how great the Knicks season last year was, how fun they were to watch. The Knicks did not get over 500 to stay last year until game 54. There was a large stretch of the season where the Knicks were a couple of games above, a couple of games below. Three games up, three games down. One game over, one game below. They were, for the majority of last year, they were kind of floating around 500. Now, I don't think that's going to be the case this year. But let's give it a little bit of time. I don't know where they'll finish. Fourth seed, whatever. But I think even in the short time that they've been here, that this regime has uh, kind of deserves a level of trust based off of last year 
that I think you can see that eventually pieces will fit better down the road than maybe they fit right now. Like they did have some significant change this past offseason with the two moves, you know, the two significant moves they made with Kemba and uh, and bringing in Fournier and just the, you know, the, the normal progression of the young guys on the roster. So last night, obviously, Randall does Randall things. Maybe more so last night looked like the Randall of last year uh, maybe than another any other game uh, so far this year. 32 and 12. So he was fantastic. RJ Barrett, who we have to get it. I mean, fifth straight game with 20 or more. Last five games, he's averaging 25. He's shooting 50% from the floor. He's shooting 50% from three. But the real story last night was the bench. The bench, and, and, and particularly Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose was phenomenal. He's been phenomenal since the Knicks acquired him. 23 points. His energy, the bench's energy, completely flipped that game. Uh, Nerlens Noel was huge. Emmanuel quickly, his best game. I mean, not really a stretch to say his best game. He's not had many good games so far this year, but he looked like the player that he looked like uh, last year. So I know we get into the nitty-gritty of every game, and sometimes we're so focused on the micro that we don't look at the macro. The macro for the Knicks and the big picture for the Knicks, and this should be the major takeaway for everybody, R.J. Barrett is developing into the player we all hoped that at one point he would turn into. He's averaging 19 points a game, 20 or more, as I said, in his last five. His defense has taken a major step forward. And if you were to go through all the different possibilities of the Knicks, just individual players, his development into not being maybe necessarily the second best player, but maybe the 1B to to Randall's 1A, that's the biggest development that the Knicks could possibly hope for this year, that he turns into a legitimate star. Not a star in the making, but a legitimate two-way star. So we kind of focused on this last week, but it's still a story this week. And so for Knicks fans, just kind of enjoy the ride and, and take a look at a performance like last night and know that, you know what, even when they lose a couple of games in a row, and I'm not telling you not to be disappointed with those games, the, the Toronto game, you can't get outworked, right? You can't get outworked if you're the Knicks, uh, and they were certainly outworked. And then the Pacers game, another major disappointment because you came out flat, and then down the stretch of the game, you had absolutely nothing. You had no answers for Indiana, a team that you'd like to think that you are better than. So that, that's disappointing. But I think you saw d- the flip of the script because in the Pacers game, you got down early, fought your way back, and then had nothing at the end. Last night, you got down early. You fought your way back, and then were getting stronger as the fourth quarter went along. And the Bucks, granted, were playing without a couple of guys, had absolutely no answers on offense. They could not score in that fourth quarter. So good win for the Knicks. Everybody can take a little bit of a breather here. Not the team themselves. Don't you guys relax. But the fans, you can take a little bit of a breather. This is going to be a fun season, and let's see where it goes. It's certainly more interesting and certainly more entertaining than really anything else we got on the plate right now. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, we'll get to the Nick fans at 1030. Of course, we'll have Stump Rothenberg. It will be Dupe Damer today. Uh, 1115, we'll talk with Connor Rogers. Look ahead to the NFL draft. But we got Odell. We got uh, the Mets. Oh, my God. What an awful 
stretch of, of, of dates here for the Mets here. Oh, my Lord. It, it keeps getting worse. Every day there's a bad story for the Mets, so we'll get into that. Maybe some Yankees at some point, but Aaron Rodgers, the football, Week 9, all on the plate. It's Gordon Damer in for Dave. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. Oh, yes, it is Gordon Damer in for Dave on this Saturday morning. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. And, you know, I was kind of laying out all the things we're going to hit on today. I have the most incredible story. I don't think that it's gotten any play on the other shows on the station, uh, but this is absolutely wild. I love a jam-packed headline, a headline that just almost tells a complete story all on its own. This story from college football, I, I don't know any of the particulars involved, but boy, oh boy, this, this is a perfect example of a jam-packed headline, and we'll do that maybe at like 9.30. But let's get some Nick calls in. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, Nick fans. Take a little breath. Yes, you lost a couple of games in a row. Back on track last night. And an impressive performance, not just getting back on track, but really the defense last night to me – that's the defense you came into the season kind of expecting, and that's the way they performed, I guess, really over the final three quarters. It was almost like it was growing as the game went along, and especially in the fourth, they just kind of shut down Milwaukee so much so that with like five minutes left, people were headed to the exits. And like, what else is there to do in Milwaukee? All right, let's go out to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. We'll start things off. Cullum is in the Bronx. Cullum, you're first up on ESPN New York. What's going on, Gamer? What's going How on? How are we doing? I'm good, man. What's up? I'm good. I'm good. Hey, really quick. I was the one who uh, coined Duke Dammer. Do you remember that? I do. I remember somebody. I don't remember it was you, Cullum, but I believe you. I, why else would you take credit for it? <laughs> well, some people take credit when it's not due, but I'm not that kind of guy. But I want to go into the Knicks really quick. And well, you mentioned it previously with with R.J. Barrett and how he's done it. And it's, and it's great. Uh, you know, from year one to year two, and now what it seems like, year three, he's making another leap, both offensively and defensively. And that's, that's all you can really ask for. And what you were saying was, oh, like, don't overhype the Knicks and all the bing-bong and all the extraordinary living and dying by every possession and stuff. I get that. I get your trepidation of – not having Knicks fans go out of their mind every chance they get. But this team, we have, the Knicks fans haven't had something that was theirs and something that was, feels homegrown in me and my experience in my entire life. We got Ovi Toppin, R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly. These are homegrown players. Mitchell Robinson, these are players almost as if Julius Randle was kind of like a homegrown player too because most of the league – already classified him as an average starter, and now he's, now he's our superstar. And this team is just so, so, you know, lovable. And obviously with how, uh, how awkward the Yankee season was, I know I'm not a Mets fan, but how terrible the Mets season was and how absolutely awful the football teams are, this is really all I have. So I'm going to be as hyped and as crazy as I possibly can be and I'm going to scream bing bong every single time somebody hits a three. So that's just no, all it look, is. look, I'm not telling you not to get excited during the games. And, Cullum, thanks for the phone call. Um, I, I'm, what I'm saying is you can't have the wild swings 
based on wins and losses. Like I said in the open, I don't know what the ceiling is for the Knicks. I don't know what the floor is for the Knicks. The floor is a lot safer than it's been in a very long time. And that's the key, right? So like if they lose two games in a row, I'm not telling you not to be disappointed, but I don't think that you can start to to spiral out of control like Nick teams have done in years past. I, I brought this up before. You know, up until last year, I would play a little game of when are the Knicks going to never get over 500 again? And you knew sometimes it was the first game of the year. There have been years where it was the first game. Knicks would lose the season opener, and you knew, well, you know what? This team's never going to be over 500 again. So if the Knicks eat, let's say they lose three in a row at some point along the way. I'm sure they're going to. They might lose more than that. They might lose four in a row. There might be injuries. I think that this, this group, roster, regime, is a lot safer than it's been in a very long time. So I, I'm not telling you not to get disappointed with individual performances, individual games, but I just don't think you can have the wild swing of, oh my God, the sky is falling, like Nick fans have maybe done in the past. And they're already doing this year. They lose those two games in a row. Well, you know what? This team's not going to be the four seed this year. They overachieved last year. Guys, take a break. Take a, take a breath. Take a breath. That's what I'm saying. Take a breath. It's going to be fine. They're going to be fine. Let's watch and see where they go together. We all don't know where they're going to wind up. We all don't know. You know, at this point last year, if I told you that the Knicks were going to win 41 games, you would have thought you were, I was out of my mind. I would have thought I was out of my mind. So let's just kind of see where this group goes together. And I think you have to have a little bit more of a forest from the trees kind of perspective. Stand back. See the whole, the whole picture. This is good. This is a, they are in a good position. Even at, you know, what is it now, six and three. Even before last night when they were five and three. That's a lot. That's a significant step forward from where they were through eight games last year. Let's go out to, uh, let's see here, Emmanuel is in Flushing. Emmanuel, you're next up on ESPN New York. Hey, Gordon, how are you? I'm good, man. What's going on? I'm good, I'm good. Listen, you're right. I think I think, I think, think it's, it's sort of a, somewhat of a reaction. And, you know, listen, this Knicks team, they're fun to watch. I mean, I never thought they would come back against the Bucks, but they did on national televised against the defending champions. And the Bucks, by the way, they're going to miss um, P.J. Tucker more than they'll, they'll, ever, they'll ever know. Just, just point that out. But anyway, this, I mean, listen, you're right. I mean, let these, let these guys get to know, know to get, get to know one another because, I know because, because listen, you got Kemba and Fournier, they're still getting to the mix. Um, Opie and Quickly, they're still trying to get themselves a year or two. And Barron, I mean, he's going up in our very eyes. I mean, defensively, he has been improving, even point-wise. You could say, I mean, you, you think about it, you know, we talked about the 2019 draft, Zion, Ja, and, and Barron, only two of the three have been in the playoffs. John Moran, R.J. Barrett, and even Tyler Hero, who was in a low pick, but got this team in the NBA Finals. Who knew? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm, look, you're right. Uh, and I think the R.J. Barrett point is the best one, right? Because what you're seeing from him right now is, is I don't even know that most, the most optimistic Nick fan, and Emmanuel, thanks for the phone call, could have expected that it would have come this quickly. Um, to see where he's at at 21 years of age now. And, I mean, look, he's playing like an all-star type player. Both sides of the ball, defense, offense. The offense has taken another step forward, even after taking a major step forward last year. Uh, so, And if he develops into your number one player, 
Uh, think about, I mean, think about how much better that is than where we have been. I mean, all the times that different things and different uh, rankings or, you know, lists that are put together, it feels like R.J. Barrett has been constantly snubbed, uh, be it in the list after his rookie year, even after, after last year. So to see where he is at as a player here, nine games into year number three for him, uh, certainly feels good. Certainly feels good. And, and look, there's going to be... There's going to be some fluctuation, right? Because even with the the new guys, as you mentioned, between Kemba, who's not been uh, all that great so far, hasn't really you know put it together consistently like you would kind of hope. Fournier has been hot, has been cold. Some of the younger guys, like quickly, has really struggled early on in the season. It's about moving all of that more into the win column than the loss column. It's a little, there's a little bit of more fluctuation early on in the year as you're trying to put all these pieces together. That was the case last year. And that has been the case again, a little bit less though. So this year, and that's what you're kind of hoping for. Spike, formerly of Jersey. Spike, you're next up on ESPN New York. Good morning. Got to be feeling good today. And you're you're very accurate uh, as you usually are. You can't, you can't, overreact when they're down. Uh, what I did notice, uh, as I mentioned on the show yesterday, that my want is to call you and Larry at night and go over the games, which is you know, wonderful because it's fresh, you know, real fresh. And uh, this isn't this fresh, but I'll tell you something. If you out-rebound, I don't know, 20, they out-rebounded by 20. I thought New Orleans Knoll was fantastic last night. And the shooting's off, but you don't turn the ball over too much. That's a good formula to win. Now, granted, as you alluded to, uh, Middleton, Holiday uh, was coming back. I don't care about all that garbage. But you were down 21, and you won going away, right, on the road, yeah. even, you know against a, a banged-up team. Well, that's correct. But did you think that Grayson Allen would start off like he was going to score 100 points? I mean, you never know. And all these guys are terrific players. Sometimes they overreact. But here's the key that I'm saying, and I agree with you, or we know where the floor is. When you do it on the road, it's bigger than at home. Their home record will improve. And, and, I, and also, listen, a road, Kemba Walker and, and Fournier, they got to get used to this system. They look lost. They're in the wrong spot. I notice. I'm sure you do too. But uh, to see Barrett play, you know, shut down defense, he was plus something big time last night. And he takes the best guy on the floor, and they're not sloppy with the ball. You're just waiting for the run. Now, one game it's Rose, another game it's this guy. So it's fun to watch, and we talked about this before the season started. I don't know if they'll be fifth, sixth, seventh, or whatever, but I don't really care because it's something to look forward to and something to talk to you guys about every night if, if, if you're on. And uh, this was a beautiful defensive basketball because if you look at the stats, they must have shot 25% from three points play last night. And that's okay as long as you rebound. They took more shots, they played with intensity, and they have to get used to playing with each other. They're very deep, Gordon, and uh, yes, enjoy talking to you. Yeah, absolutely, Spike. Yeah, that's the strength. You know, the Knicks don't have, and Spike, thanks for the phone call, the Knicks don't have the, the top-end talent of, of some of the the playoff teams, but they almost have, uh, they're almost like the, in some ways, like the, the Rays, like the Rays, the strength of the Tampa Bay Rays is their flexibility. They can kind of play one way or another way, depending on who the starter is, lefty, righty. The Knicks are kind of that way in that if, if one guy's not playing well, they have a backup that can kind of come in at any position and kind of give them valuable minutes. So yeah, the strength is not necessarily in the star power. 
it's in it's in the balance. So like last night, Kemba Walker obviously did not have it. Shot two of eight. Had I think it was five points or something like that. And here comes Derrick Rose, who's been fantastic since he's really gotten here. And him and that second unit kind of turned things around. Rose, Noel was fantastic on the boards. Quickly, as I said, had his best game in a very long time. And uh, no, it's a, and, and look, Kemba and Fournier both did basically nothing last night. And the Knicks were still able to overcome a 21-point deficit on the road against a good Milwaukee team. I, I, look, they've struggled so far this year themselves. But, and they're missing some guys, but it's not really about that. It's not, I don't think any Nick fan today is, is chanting or, or touting the fact, hey, we took down the world champs. It's the fact that they were down, came back, and won that game. Going, They held Milwaukee to 35 second-half points after giving up 38 points in the first quarter. That's pretty good. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number coming up for your phone calls the wildest story you will hear all week, next week, the following week, all month, next year, coming up as well. It's Gordon Damer, in for Dave. It is 98.7 FM ESPN. You're listening to the Dave Rothenberg Show podcast on ESPNNewYork.com. Damer, in for Dave, 98.7 FM ESPN New York. All right, so Jake Montgomery... Back in the studio this morning. Normal part of the Rothenberg Staple Saturday show. Jake, we feeling all right today, buddy? I'm feeling great, Gordon. How you feeling? Um, you know, hanging in. Hanging in. Saturday, a little earlier shift than usual, so that's always good. Um, all right, so are you a big college football fan? So I enjoy college football, but I'm not, you know, a no. lunatic going right. to tailgates and doing all that. Now, did you, I don't know what your college, did your college have like a big time, did you go to school with a big time football program? So I went to Adelphi University okay, in so Garden answer, City no. and right. no football team. Okay. All right. So we have our answer. And I always feel like when you're a big college football fan, it's you fall into one of two categories. Either A, you went to a school with a big time college football program or... Uh, not to, uh, you know, cast any aspersions on anybody, but you're a gambling degenerate. You love the action. You love football. It's Saturday. It's Sunday. So I got to be honest. I'm not big into college football. I went to St. John's, uh, and uh, I'm not a gambling degenerate. But I got to tell you, uh, the stories every single week from college football, like not the actual games. I don't care about the games. Every week there is a story that makes you go, "What? what is, go- what is going on? And this is... Like, think about the the crazy stories that we've had, like, in the NFL this week. This one tops them all. And if you know me, you know I love a jam-packed headline. Like, a headline that tells a story all on its own. And if you needed an example, this would be the example I would give you. And this is an actual headline about an actual story. Ready? Texas football coach's girlfriend, Monkey, bites child on Halloween. Now that, my friends, that is a jam-packed headline. Texas football coach's girlfriend's monkey bites child on Halloween. It's got college football. It's got Texas college football. It's got strippers, exotic dance, whatever. It's got monkeys. So the story is Jeff Banks is apparently the special teams coach at Texas. Have you heard? Maybe people have heard the story. I don't know. It came across. I, I, was, <laughs> I, was, uh, I was mesmerized. So a few years, this guy, and this is not like some wackadoo. Like he was, he was, I think the special teams coach at Alabama. He was a coach at Alabama. So a few years ago, 
He leaves Alabama, also, by the way, left his wife and kids to begin dating an exotic dancer who goes by the name Pole Assassin. That is her, her alias, I guess. Miss Assassin. I don't want to get too familiar. You know, I'm not on a first-name basis, so I'll say Miss Assassin. Well, apparently Miss Assassin, what separates her is that she has a pet monkey that performs with her. Now, I'm assuming it's like one of the little tiny monkeys, right? It's not like a giant chimpanzee. That would, that would get weird. But she has a therapy monkey that is part of her act, but it's also part of her life. So on Halloween, the Bankses, they, they didn't just give out like candy. They decided to have like a little trick-or-treat extravaganza at the house. And um, apparently, the, allegedly, I don't want to get too, you know, I don't want to get sued on this, but apparently, the, and allegedly, the, the monkey attacked the child. This is where my mind goes. Can you imagine being the coach, the guy Jeff Banks, and you have to kind of like inform the school that his name, like your name is going to be, in, there are going to be news stories clearly about what's going on with you. And you have to like contact, I don't know who you would contact at the school to, to inform them, hey, look, my name's probably going to be in the news. And they ask, well, well, why, Jeff? Well, all right, how long you got? Because uh, this story is going to take a little, I mean, that is, that is wild. And I, I say allegedly, I don't know that I necessarily have to say allegedly anymore because Miss Assassin, again, actually tweeted out about the incident and she put, the, she put the blame on the 11-year-old kid for not following the rules involving the monkey. I mean, th- how is there not a reality show based on this guy's life? I mean, it's, got, it's like a perfect storm. It's got Texas football. It's got exotic dancers. It's got monkeys, apparently, with the taste of f- for human flesh. I mean, I'm, I'm setting my DVR up right now. Netflix would be ordering three seasons of this at least. And I would tell you right now, just based on this one story, it would be top five on Netflix. Like the rankings that they have on Netflix with some of the things you people have been watching. Move over Squid Game. We got, <laughs> I mean, not even Urban Meyer has thought about having a monkey and all. That, I, that is a crazy story. And then I, I just kept going down the wormhole with it. As I said, Jeff Banks is not like some wackadoo. He was apparently being courted for the Washington State job. Apparently he played at Washington State. And this is another actual headline that was reported by an actual news service. Texas assistant coach Jeff Banks is unable to take the Washington State job without making a difficult decision about a monkey. That is a real headline. Apparently Washington State, you're not allowed to have monkeys as pets. Texas, it's all it's all hands uh, no holds barred down in Texas though. So yeah, that is a wild story. So uh, yeah, Jeff Banks. Hopefully the child's doing all right. Uh, I don't know. There has not been any update on him, but uh, boy, I mean, could you imagine looking back? Hey, like when you were a kid, what did you do for Halloween? Well, there was this one year. Let me tell you a story. How long you got? One eight hundred nine one nine. ESPN is the telephone number. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven. Seven six. This college football stuff, especially like in Texas, man, it is just. And that's one of the stories is getting reported. Can you imagine like the smaller schools? What's going on there? Wild, wild stuff. All right, let's go back to the phones. Let's go to James. He's in Spring Valley. James, get us back on track, my friend. What's going on? Hey, Gordon, man. Listen, the Knicks are here. We yes. here. It's yes. been a rough sports life for me because the Giants are terrible. 
the Yankees. Well, are let me let me stop you there, James. Hi, James, may I ask your age for a second? I'm 31. 31. So I mean, like you've seen them win. I mean, you were old. You weren't like five years old when they were winning Super Bowl titles. So you know, look back at the line. You don't have any complaints about the Giants. You you did all right with the Giants. The last ten years have been brutal, but you're all right there. The Knicks are a different story. But go ahead. I'm sorry for interrupting. Yeah. Now back with the Knicks. Um. Obviously, I'm very happy that they won. And obviously, you know, six and three is good. But here's, I guess I'm going to nitpick here. Okay. I'm just a little bit concerned about Kemba. And because you saw last year, Alfred Payton was a disaster. Mm-hmm. And my only fear is that Kemba's not getting it going. You're going to put too much minutes on Derrick Rose. And you saw in the playoffs that he tired out against Atlanta. What did the Knicks do with Kemba if Kemba still isn't right? Because you cannot ask Rose to play this extended amount of minutes, especially at this stage of his career. Yeah, well, look, James, I'm, I'm not going to tell you that your your concerns are completely unwarranted. And, James, thanks for the phone call. Um, yeah, yeah. Is there a scenario that happens that Kemba is going to play like this? I don't think so. I think that there is going to be an adjustment period for him. Um, it, it is early on in the season. And that's why I thought last night being able to see quickly provide the minutes that he did uh, after not playing well at all so far this year was was vitally important, vitally important. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, that's the thing, though. Y- you can actually have some level of trust in the people running your organization, and you can't say that with a lot of teams that are currently uh, in this town right now. And, and maybe that I'm not going to get into the hockey stuff because I'm not the hockey guy, but in terms of the, you know, the big three, I think you got to feel better about the people running the Knicks than than anywhere else. It depends on who you consider running the Nets. Is it K, is it Kevin Durant? I consider it Kevin Durant, so I guess probably he would be number one. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I I had trust Tibbs, and and I was not somebody right away like a lot of Knicks fans that were on board with the Tibbs hiring. He's proven me wrong. That's what I want. So yeah, after last, seeing last year the way it started, the way it developed, I'm willing to give them a little bit of leeway. Now, if we get to game. I don't know, game 40, and it's still, you know, Kemba's still struggling. Well, then you got a bit of a concern, but you take a look at the way that they were able to to add Derrick Rose last year. Did anybody think that bringing back Derrick Rose was going to be this effective? Not just effective, but this effective? He's been sensational. He's been absolutely sensational. And I get it. Played 30 minutes last night. You can't do that on a long-term basis, so you're going to need Kemba to play better, and I think he will. I think you just kind of have to, you know – just because there is a scenario where things can go wrong doesn't necessarily mean that things will go wrong. I think you can have a little bit of trust with the people running the organization for a change. Omar is in Philly. Omar, you're next up on ESPN New York. Omar? Hello, hello. How you doing, hey. buddy? I'm good, Omar. What's going on, pal? I'm, I'm doing great over here. I'm very excited for the Knicks this year. Um... But I only have one thing that bothers me. Do we always have to have Randall at the end of the game bring down the ball? I mean, I feel like we get so many turnovers, so many. His IQ sometimes kills me at the end of the game, man. I, I wonder if this is the way we should be going when closing our games. Well, I mean, Omar, I, look, and Omar, thank you for the phone call. I, I, look, I can't. Can, it doesn't always like you don't have to nitpick every single solid. He had three turnovers last night. He had 32 points, 12 rebounds, four assists. 
He's blocking shots. He's 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 playing like Randall of last year, maybe for the best, you know, that's the best example of how he played last year. You get a win in Milwaukee on the road after losing two games in a row. You're six and three to start the season. You you played five road games. You've won four of them. I don't know. I, I think that I'm okay. And I look, I'm not telling you you can't nitpick anything that everything's fantastic, but I, I don't know. Can, it's almost like you're coming from no place. And now all of a sudden you have this this expectation and this this like kind of privilege that you just expect everything to be perfect all the time. There are scenarios where it's not going to be perfect all the time. The Knicks are not going to I don't think that they're going to be a top three team this year. There's going to be bumps along the way. And it's about kind of evening out those bumps and ending up in a better position than you were last year and and maybe getting past the opening round of the playoffs. But it's not not everything is going to be flawless, people. I, I don't know. Imagine that that's your takeaway from last night. That The takeaway is, I don't like Julius Randle bringing up the ball here late in game. I mean... I don't even think he really brought the ball up all that much late in the game. I mean, they, they went from down 21 to winning by double digits. And the, and the takeaway is that Randall's taking the ball too much. He's pompous. Listen, shut up and I'll tell you the story. He's arrogant. Do you think there's a lot of things out there that I wouldn't be good at? And sometimes he's downright mean. I know you know what that's like to be that uncomfortable pimply face, not very popular kid. But now it's your chance to prove him wrong. It's dumb. Call 800-919-3776 with your question and let's stump Dave Rothenberg. All right, well, Dave is stumped. He has worked uh, basically like five weeks in a row without a day off. So Dave is off today. I mean, he's exhausted. I mean, the guy, the poor guy, he's, uh, he's out today. So it's Gordon Damer in for Dave. Uh, but we still continue the, the staples of the Dave Rothenberg show. This is still the Dave Rothenberg time slot. So that, of course, means Stump Rothenberg. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Now, there are some differences. Uh, I will tell you this. I am not a trivia maven like Dave is, although the performance wouldn't tell you that. But I'm telling you that. He's arrogant. I'm down to earth. So I would say, you know, like 80s wrestlers, TV shows, movies, baseball, maybe some football mixed in. Those are the areas that if you want to have an entertainment, if you want to have a segment where I just get everything wrong, I mean, you can do that. You can certainly do that. But if you want to have an entertaining segment, you know, kind of keep it focused to things that people actually know. That's all I'm saying. All right, let's start it off, right? Let's, uh, we'll start things off with, uh, I believe, Chris and Beth Page is a regular. So let's start with Chris and Beth Page. Chris, you're first up on Stump Rothenberg. I am indeed, Gordon. I appreciate you taking the call. Now, Gordon, about a year ago, I called you, and you got my question right. It was a presidential question, and uh-huh. you got it right. So can I ask you Can I ask you presidential Yeah, sure, questions? go ahead. Presidents, yes. Okay. So we all know that eight presidents died in office. Four were assassinated. <laughs> Do we all know that, Chris? All right, go ahead. Yep, well, yep. All right, all right. So four were assassinated. So four died of natural causes, all right? FDR was one of them. And William Henry Harrison was the first one to die of natural causes, all right? So there's two other presidents that died of natural causes. Natural causes. And you got it right. Okay. So, so give it to me. The two guy, You said two guys died of natural causes. You gave me the first guy and the last guy, Harrison. And who was the other guy? 
and FDR. They died oh, of natural okay, causes, all right? There okay. was four in total that died of natural causes. I've given you two of them. Name one of the other two. and you got One the of the other two. One of the right. other two who died of natural causes. Uh, so basically died in office but was not assassinated, right? Yep, exactly. Okay. All right. Um, I, I know this guy died in office. I don't believe he was assassinated. So I am going to go with Harding, Warren Harding. Excellent. Good job. Now, oh, there we go. Right. All right. I was, did he die of like a one. heart attack or something like that? Yes, he had a heart attack. Exactly. All right. And the, the, other one, the other one was Zachary Taylor. Yeah, I don't remember Zachary. I thought he was the uh, head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, Zachary Taylor. I would not have known. You know, it, it's kind of surprising it did not happen like, I don't know what year Zachary Taylor was, but that just sounds like the 1800s. Uh, it's kind of surprising, like, they knew so little. Like, if you got sick back then, uh-oh, you're in trouble. You know, there was no guarantees that you were going to make it to the next one. Uh, all right, so we're uh, off and running, 1-0. and uh, Let's go out to, uh, let's see here, uh, Ed is on Long Island. Ed, next up on Stump Rothenberg. Yes, hey, Gordon. Uh, how about a little geography? <laughs> Okay, very little geography, but all right, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> well, it's sort of geography. All right. Uh, English is obviously the most spoken language in England. Right. So, Gordon, what is the second most spoken language in England? Oh, God. Second most spoken language in England. Now, the fact that you're bringing this up means that it can't be one of the most obvious things like Spanish or French. So it's probably either like Polish yeah, I'll, or German. I'll give you, I'll give you um, that. Um, the fact that you're asking it means it's not something obvious. So it's either German or Polish. I will go I will go with Polish. Oh, my God. Yes, you are correct. Sometimes you just have to reason these things out. Um, Gordon, Dave, so, better watch out because Dave, you look, are pretty good at this too. I, I'm, uh, and it's look. I do focus it much more. Dave lets people just kind of run the muck and run the gamut, so I'm not going to be able to do that to that level. But if you kind of figure these things out, like it's clear it's not going to be something super obvious like Spanish or you know, you got to think about what are the countries around England in Europe popular language. So. I know it was probably either German or Polish, so I went with the more unlikely of the two. Uh, and uh, we're 2-0, people. 2-0. So I don't know what our record is overall. At one point, I was 87%. But 2-0, I don't know how much is going to raise the level of the, the, the percentage, but it's got to raise the level. All right, let's go to, uh, let's see here. Mike is in the Bronx. Mike, you're next up on Stump Rothenberg, my friend. Hi, Gordon. Hey, Mike. Um, I know you had the uh, the Royal Rumble back in the day for the best TV show. That was yes. great. I know you know TV. Yes. Got a Wire question for you. The TV show The Wire. All right. Oh, Love The Wire. Great yes, show. Yes. One of the great. When you're talking about the um, the Mount Rushmore of television shows, The Wire has to be on it. But go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I, I, I was so uh, upset when it lost in the Royal Rumble. Yeah. Um, so on The Wire... Which character is the real Avon Barksdale in real life? There's a so you're saying the inspiration the for the who... character the, of, of, of Avon yeah. Barksdale. Um, yeah. Well, I don't I know. 
Drudge. Yeah, I don't know the actor's name. I don't believe I've seen him in anything else. Oh, yeah, but he, just the, the name of the character, yeah. Yeah, um, he's like a religious guy. I think his name was the Deacon, um, but I don't know the, the actual actor's name. But I'll say the Deacon, the, the guy who's, you know, like the, the, the eyes and ears of the community. Right on target. Oh, Mike left me hanging there. I started to get a little worried, but uh, no, I'm a huge Wire fan. You know, like the big four TV shows, The Wire, certainly Breaking Bad, Mad Men. I'm okay with Mad Men, although it is a great all-time show. Uh, and then, of course, The Sopranos. Those are the, those are the four that are the uh, greatest television shows of all time. And um, even despite some of the uh, later projects for both Breaking Bad and... Um, although... Better Call Saul is very good. It's the best show that nothing ever actually happens, but it's fantastically written. Um, but that Sopranos movie, ooh, boy, let's not, uh, let's not go there. All right, let's go. Uh, do we have we got time for some more, right? 1-800-919-ESPN is the tele. Am I 3-0? Am I 4-0? What am I at here? 3-0? You are at 3-0. and And we can take one more call here. We'll go uh-huh. to a break, and then we'll take some more stump calls. Okay. Uh, one more call here. Uh, I will actually give you the – you know, you sometimes Ty Butler. Ty Butler is tying himself now to Dave. When Dave's off, Ty's off. So, so Jake is in today. One man gang that Jake Montgomery is. Uh, I sometimes let Ty pick, and then I go the opposite of what he ever says because he's always trying to trip me up. Um, but I will let you make the call here, uh, Jake. Who do you think we should go to next? I say we go to. Well, are you going to go the opposite of whatever? No, I I'm going to go with. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to give you my trust. Okay, let's go to Tristan in New Jersey. Tristan in New Jersey, you're next up on Stump Rothenberg, my friend. Yes, sir. Give it to me, my friend. What do you yes, got? Sir. Yeah. All right. So who was who was the only defensive player to ever been able to uh, intercept Patrick Mahomes and the uh, college level and on the NFL level? The only player. There's only intercept. one player that's ever done it. Hmm. That's a tough one. <sighs> intercept Patrick Mahomes in the college level. And the NFL level. God, that's... Trying to think of somebody who's been in the league for three or four years. Defensive back. Tough. Um, Somebody who has intercepted Patrick Mahomes in college and in the pros. Well, he's thrown a lot of interceptions yep. this year. Did it happen this year? Uh, I don't believe so. Okay. No. Okay, so uh, I'll give you I'll give you one hint. Uh, okay. it's, a, it's a cornerback. It is a cornerback. All right, so it's not going to be some some yep. fluky thing. Um, no. Didn't throw that many exceptions in 2019. He is active. He's an active player. I'm trying to think of guys in the AFC West because it's got to be, you know, you figure somebody who's. Um, somebody in the AFC West. I, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I don't really have a way of narrowing it down effectively, so I'm going to say. Um, I just don't know, Tristan. Give it to me. 
We got uh, Xavier and Howard. Xavier and Howard. Oh, I should have got that. A dolphin, really? I didn't think that. Um, I don't know where Xavier and Howard went to school. So that makes it a little bit more difficult. Yeah, you had to get somebody who uh, obviously played against them in, in college as well. But I, I he went to Baylor Dolphin. University. So with the Texas connection, right, that sure. makes sense. There you go. That makes sense. All right, let's take uh, let's take a break here. One, we'll do another segment of this. Dave usually does a, a second segment of this, so uh, we'll take more calls. I have to. I can't end on a on a low note. I was doing so well there until that one. One eight hundred nine one nine ESPN is the telephone number. It is Stump Rothenberg. It is ninety eight point seven FM ESPN New York. All right, in case you're just joining us, it is Stump Rothenberg. You know that music. It's the Stump Rothenberg music. It makes me sweat. This is not uh, not very comfortable sitting in the in the big seat, in the hot chair, in the hot seat. Something filling in the big shoes of Dave Rothenberg. But uh, it's Gordon Damer. It's 98.7 FM ESPN New York. 1-800-919-ESPN. Now, I got the last question wrong at the last segment. Can't go out on a low note. You got to finish with the with a winner. So let's, I know Jake, you're filling in for Ty today. Ty always has a couple of things that he's concocted. Uh, so do you have a trivia question for this segment? You love the airtime. I want to <laughs> reward you for showing up today. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yes, I do have a question for you if you would like to play. Yeah, let's do it. Let's All right. Do it. So we've had what? Presidents. We've had languages. languages. Yeah. I have a baseball question for you okay. since we are sports talk radio. Sure. But of course yeah. you can ask any question you'd like. Right. My question is, Earlier this week, Buster Posey announced his retirement. Buster Posey is one of two players all time to win an MVP, a Rookie of the Year, and three World Series titles. Who is the only other player to win an MVP, a Rookie of the Year, and three World Series titles? Three World Series titles, Rookie of the Year, and an MVP. Ha. MVP, World Series titles, and Rookie of the Year. Well, I know that. Now, let me ask you this. Are you old enough to see this other guy play? So I wasn't old enough to see him play, but he's certainly, you know, still in the headlines all the time still. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, the fact that it's three World Series, I don't know if Johnny Bench want a rookie but it has to be somebody on that Reds team I, I I'm pretty sure nobody on the Yankees won an MVP uh the Yankee run Jeter obviously won rookie of the year and he won the World Series but he doesn't have the MVP although he should have won the year that Morneau won um so it's either got to be Johnny Bench or Pete Rose the fact that you said he's in the headlines all the time makes me think I would have went Johnny Bench, but I will say Pete Rose. Oh man! So I gave away the answer. Yes, you you're gave away the answer, and you, you can't indeed, give away too much. You, you can't I, give away too much. You are so right, and I indeed gave away the answer. And that is correct. It is Pete right. Rose, and it's funny because you know all the comments and all the tweets say, "Well, if that's the case, Buster Posey's not making the Hall of Fame." But Obviously, a lot of people think Pete Rose should be in anyway. Yes, absolutely. And um, I'm not one of them, but yeah, a lot of people do feel like he should be in and anyway. And I just want to say this off of my question. Buster Posey, One of I know obviously with these accolades, he's had quite the career, but he's one of those guys that kind of still goes under the radar. He's one of the best catchers we've seen in a long time. 
Oh, no question. No question. And and look, I you know, everybody said, hey, he, he's a he's a no question Hall of Famer. And I thought that um, Buster only another Buster uh, brought up a good point that um, was it him that brought it up or maybe it was Steve Phillips that brought it up. I, mean, I can't remember who originally brought it up. But, you know, the fact that we're all saying that the Buster Posey automatically, absolutely three World Series titles belongs in as a catcher. When Jorge Posada was voted off the ballot the first year of eligibility, if you look at the numbers, they're not that far different. And I would say certainly if Buster Posey is in, hopefully that will lead to a little bit more of Thurman Munson or maybe a a re-evaluation of Thurman Munson and eventually getting him uh, into the Hall of Fame. All right, let's squeeze in a couple more here. We'll go to uh, Dino is in Manhattan. Dino, you're next up on Stump Rothenberg. Yo, what's up, Gordon? Um, Dino. They're giving you some hard questions there, dude. I'm not going to lie, but look, doing good. And you know what? I always get criticized by Ty Butler, who always criticizes me over everything. You know, you take too long. You're spending too much time dilly-dallying. So uh, I've been trying to just go with, go with the first quick answer and get it right out of the way. So give it to me, Dino. What you got? All right. Um, youngest player in the NBA to score 10,000 points. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure that was LeBron, right? I don't know. You tell me. Oh, now I'm not sure. <laughs> now I'm not sure. Uh, I'm going to stick with my original answer. Never change your original answer. I'm going to stick with LeBron. That's it. LeBron. Yay! Here we go. Dino, thank you very much, my friend. Uh, and then we'll finally do uh, Eli, who's on the Jersey Shore. Eli. You're next up on ESPN. What you got, Eli? Yeah, I'm good. Eli's got a lot of stuff going on over there. Give it to me, my friend. What do you got? <laughs> we're moving here. We're moving. All right. But, uh, listen, I got I got a little unorthodox question, but sure. it's going to stump you. It's a movie reference. You ready? I'm ready. Give it to me. I love movies. All right. Who played Joe the Policeman in the What's Going Down episode of That's My Mama? <laughs> that would be Randy Watson. Randy Watson. <laughs> yes. All righty, like it out of here, Randy Watson question. Yeah, you're trying to stump Dave. Come on, you got to bring it on a little bit tougher than that. I have no idea what that even means. That's from uh, Coming to America. Oh, okay, then that makes more sense. Yeah, Coming to America. He he played the uh, (laughs) Joe the Policeman. Uh, Oh, my God. All right, that's going to do it for uh, Stump Rothenberg. 1-800-919-ESPN. Let's get uh, back on track here coming up. We'll get back into the Knicks, get back into the football. We'll touch on the Giants. we got uh, that guy Aaron Rodgers. He's in the headlines. Lots to do. It is Gordon Damer in for Dave. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Okay, Gordon Damer in for Rothenberg on this Saturday morning, 98.7 FM ESPN New York. All right, so a little context for this next segment. I think it was like week three or week four sitting on my couch, watching the Jets, watching the Giants. It was clear to me, and I think it was clear to everybody, right? You have more to be excited about as a Jets and Giants fan about the April draft rather than this season. Now, that might have been the case for the Jet fans going into the year. You knew that this was going to be a work in progress. For the Giant fans, uh, it did come, uh, you know, it came across a little bit of bad news, right? Like this season is not where it's going to be about. So about a month ago, we ran our first mock draft simulation to kind of get an idea 
uh, who Jet fans should be looking at, who Giant fans should be looking at, keeping an eye on as the uh, NFL draft <laughs> moves closer. A mere 173 days away. And a month ago, Connor Rogers from Bleacher Report was nice enough to give us the time. So it, I figured, well, let's go right back to Connor, right? A month uh, a month down the road, and now we can talk to Connor once again, and he is nice enough to give us a, a few minutes on this Saturday morning. Connor, what's going on, my man? Gordon, always good to catch up with you. I get that bat signal for the Jets and Giants drafts earlier and earlier each year, so I'm, I'm excited to do this again. Yeah, well, look, this is a perfect year because you got two picks for the Jets, you got two picks for the Giants, so let's run the simulation and see what uh, – what we should be looking at, you know, I'm not the, uh, give it to the audience. I'm not the biggest college football guy in the world. I'm not sitting there on Saturdays scouting guys. So, but I am a big draft guy. So I like to kind of have an idea of what my team should be looking at and uh, some of the names that are possibilities. So, as I said, 173 days away until the NFL draft, uh, a perfect time to start looking ahead after the way the Jets and Giants seasons has gone. All right. So this simulation will fire it up. Uh, the Lions will have the first pick. They will take uh, Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon. So he's off the board. Kair Elam, the cornerback from Florida, goes two to the Texans. The Eagles, with one of their three first-round picks, will go three. I'm assuming that's the Dolphins pick. Uh, that's Derek Stingley, the cornerback out of LSU. And then four is the Jaguars. They will take safety Kyle Hamilton. I wouldn't think for a Jaguars team that safety would be the biggest concern. But there you go. That's who's off the board. So you got the Giants in our simulation sitting there at five. Uh, still plenty of good choices on the board. Connor, if you are the Giants GM, and <laughs> look, there's a better chance you're going to be the GM than, than Dave Gettleman, um, who would you have going number five to the New York Giants? Uh, this is a great situation for them, Gordon. I think no matter what happens to Gettleman, and I think they are going to move on, I think a GM will come in and look at this quarterback class and go, you know what? Daniel Jones wasn't necessarily the problem last year. We don't have to pay him right now. We don't have to make that decision. Let's roll forward with him and give him more pieces around him. And in this situation at five, they have Evan Neal, the big athletic offensive tackle from Alabama on the board. I know they took Andrew Thomas recently, and Andrew Thomas went on the field this year, has been you know, drastically an improved player. But the problem is the Giants have holes across their offensive line besides him when he's healthy. So right tackle's been a bit of a mess for them. The good thing about Neal is this year he's playing left tackle. The year before he played right tackle. And in 2019, he played guard. So this is somebody that's gigantic, athletic. He's playing on a powerhouse team and can play anywhere on the offensive line. And for the Giants, I think you make this pick thinking he's our right tackle of the future. If anything happens to Andrew Thomas, we could move him over to the left side, which is not easy for a lot of guys to do. Neal could do it. And if we really, really need help at guard, he can also play there. So this for the Giants uh, is a home run, in my opinion. All right, so Evan Neal from Alabama, he is off the board. He goes to the Giants at five. Before we get to the Jets pick, because they're picking at seven, uh, if I gave you an over-under of one and a half in the first round for the Jets and Giants selecting offensive linemen, would you go under or over that one and a half between the two teams? I would go over. I think it sits right at two. There's no chance with Joe Douglas, the Jets double dip. Uh, there's a small chance, depending on who the Giants hire, they double dip. And it's a really good offensive line class. The reason why it might not hit the over is because it's such a good edge rush class, and both teams will be heavily invested in the edge rusher market as well. But I would comfortably sit there and say they get the two. All right, so uh, let's go back to the draft here. So we got Evan Neal going five to the Giants. Six is Washington's pick. They will take Hutchinson, the edge rusher, out of Michigan. So he's off the board just as the Jets are now on the clock at seven. Still a lot of pass rushers out there. 
A wide receiver is pretty deep, it seems like, this year. What direction do you think the Jets go at number seven? Yeah, Hutchinson would have been the ideal player for them, so they get sniped here a little bit at six. I think he would come in and be a premier edge player for them, so that's a tough break. This comes down to two guys for me now in this spot. It would either be George Karloftis, the pass rusher from Purdue, a really strong guy, great hands, very, very productive, great speed to power. Uh, I think he'd be a big-time Joe Douglas guy or Kenyon Green, the versatile offensive lineman from Texas A&M. I think his best position is guard, and a lot of people sit there and go, how do you take a guard in the top ten? Well, it worked out pretty good for the Colts with Quentin Nelson, especially if you watch them literally mow over the Jets' defensive <laughs> line. They, I mean, they could have put me a running back, and I would have found a way to get 50 yards, I think, on ten carries. That's how bad things look. So I think for me in this spot, I think they're going to prioritize protecting Zach Wilson and building a wall in front of him. So it'll probably be Kenyon Green. Uh, but if this was Hutchinson making it one more pick, he's the no-brainer of that spot. All right, so we'll put Green in for the Jets at number seven. Uh, so then uh, the next two picks are the Eagles, eight and nine, Drake Jackson and uh, the, the wide receiver from Ohio State. I always mispronounce his name. Is it o- Olave? Chris Olave? Yep, Chris Olave. Okay. Uh, he goes number nine to the Eagles, so another wide receiver there. So then the Jets are back on the clock at number 10. Uh, and, and still, Karloftis is out there, so that would that, there's a guy that would fall to him. I know that uh, Linderbaum, the center out of Iowa, is, uh, is a guy that you liked in the past. So where do you think the Jets go at number 10? Yeah, so this is a really interesting spot because ultimately I think they would love to trade this pick and go back and then take Linderbaum you know, a couple picks back because centers traditionally don't go this early. I would have no problem taking him there, and then you have an offensive line that looks pretty good after you get Green and Linderbaum. But let's just get off the beaten path here for a little bit, Gordon, because I don't want to come on here and do Linderbaum to the Jets every single week. I've said enough that I think it's a perfect match. Maybe they can get a veteran center, though, in free agency instead and open things up for them. I'll go Garrett Wilson here if he's still on the board from Ohio Yeah, still State. there. I think yep. he's a tre- yeah, tremendous wide receiver. He fits today's game. I got to see him live this year uh, down at Rutgers where, you know, he looked like a Pop Warner superstar over playing, you know, playing against Rutgers. He's – a great route runner. He has great body control. He's very strong running back like after the catch. He's a superstar. And I know they paid Corey Davis, but, you know, it's still a short contract in terms of guaranteed money. They love Elijah Moore. I'm not convinced they're fully invested in Denzel Mims for the future anymore. You need playmakers. This is a league where, you know, teams go out there and run four wide receiver sets over and over again. Keelan Cole's a free agent at the end of the year. So quietly they could be in play for a wide receiver in round one. It's not – Joe Douglas' thing, typically, but Garrett Wilson is way too good to pass on here. All right, so the Jets pick at 10. According to this simulation right now, the the Giants will be back on the clock at 11 with the Bears pick. Still a lot of talent out there. I mean, to think that both teams are trending towards having two top 10 picks is not a great uh, sign of the present, but uh, it's nice for the future. Uh, Giants at 11, where do you think that they look then? Yeah, if Karloftis is still on the board, I think they need edge rush help. I love Ojolari and think he's going to be a really good player for a long time. Obviously, they have Leonard Williams tied up to a lot of big money. Uh, you know, they can go Jordan Davis here as well if they want defensive tackle from Georgia. He's an absolute beast. But the bottom line is the Giants got to get better rushing the passer, especially in a division with Dak Prescott, where if you give him time to go, you're not going to be able to keep up with that Dallas offense. So, 
Uh, for me, I would comfortably take Carlotte this year and start to feel better about the Giants front. There's not a linebacker in this spot that's worth a top 15 pick. I like the Kobe Dean from Georgia, but I think he's going to be more of an early second-round kind of guy. So maybe the Giants can find their way to get their linebacker woes solved on day two, and you go Carlottis and get pass rush help here with your second first-round pick. Where do you think the first quarterback ends up going, and who do you think that quarterback turns out to be? Is it Sam Howell? And where in the first round do you think that first quarterback goes off the board? Oh, man, it's, it's a great question. I think the two teams you're comfortably looking at right now would be Houston, of course. They have mm-hmm. their obvious issues, and they're going to move on from Deshaun Watson. And then I really think the Eagles. Now, why the Eagles might be different here if we had this conversation a couple months later, it wouldn't shock me if they're one of the more aggressive teams if Russell Wilson's name goes back on the trade market, and I really think it will. I think the Eagles would be in play there, so then they would go out of the sweepstakes of taking a quarterback. And, of course, the Lions, Jared Goff's not the answer there. So I think in the end of the day, you're looking at Houston, you're looking at Detroit. And then it's kind of interesting because you have Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati who teams really like. I'm not convinced he's a top-ten pick at all, but teams really like him. Malik Willis, who I really like from Liberty but needs some time on the bench, maybe that's a good spot for, you know, the Lions because they could take Malik Willis. They're still off until Malik Willis is ready. He's mobile. He's got a really big arm. If you give him time, he could develop into a pretty special player. So, you know, those aren't really the most exciting spots in a quarterback class that is not very good in general, uh, which is going to open the door for teams like the Jets and the Giants that are probably going to roll forward with their young quarterbacks to build around them and get really good players fall into their lap. Well, Connor, thanks for uh, a few minutes again today. And and given the state of the Jets, given the state of the Giants, I would say, you know, schedule like a month from now. We'll do mock draft simulation 3.0. I love it, Gordon. Thanks so much for having me. This is a lot of fun. That is Connor Rogers from Bleacher Report, of course. And uh, we are right here, 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. You're listening to the Dave Rothenberg Show podcast on ESPNNewYork.com.